friends. Welcome to the Mobile Mongo Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. Oregon has been in the foodie spotlight for the past two decades for good reason. Situated in a fertile valley that produces some of the best ingredients, Farm to Table was a reality before it was used as a marketing talking point. From wine and beer to the plumpest berries, Oregon and the surrounding Pacific Northwest competes at the highest levels on stages the world over. Of course, the cheese being made in Oregon has also received some of the highest accolades there is. With only around 22 creameries representing the entire state, The Oregon Cheese Guild has situated itself as an industry leader in its support of those hardworking cheesemakers. Katie Bray was the first hired executive director of the Oregon Cheese Guild, and she has taken the already strong base and ran with it. With Oregon being the backdrop of this year's American Cheese Society Conference, I talk with Katie about what experience has served her best in this role and what we can look forward to at conference. Katie Bray, and I am the executive director of the Oregon Cheese Guild, um, where I started in 2015. Uh, I don't know how far back do you want to go on the path to tea? We have all the time in the world. <laughs> um, it's, it's surprisingly linear, my path to cheese. Um, so probably started in in college I was um uh, I was a business major at the University of Washington and had an inner uh, an interest in international um international studies in business and had uh, been a longtime francophile and was doing an internship at the French American Chamber of Commerce up in Seattle um which after college led to a job working for the economic development office for the um for the state of washington so i um had moved to paris after college planned on teaching english um, for a year and coming home and then ended up getting this other opportunity over there and stayed for five and had the opportunity to work with northwest companies who were looking at expanding business into europe for whatever reason, and um, we're so lucky here in the Pacific Northwest to have an abundance of different industries that I got to get involved with. So everything from, um, you know, wine to aerospace to uh, other food and beverage, forestry, um, all different kinds of things. Got exposure, got exposure to those, and came back in 2002 to the United States and uh, took some more time up in Seattle. I was working for a nonprofit at the time that was called um, Washington State International Trade Fair that organized uh, Washington State and Pacific Northwest pavilions at international trade shows. So we helped coordinate lots of different small and medium-sized companies who got to be under the umbrella of either the state of Washington or the Pacific Northwest and gave me exposure to a lot of different things. And the last thing that we did, um, the last event that we did was a uh, wine event promotion of Pacific Northwest wines up in Vancouver, BC. And I got to be friends with the folks who run the Oregon Wine Board at the time. And I am originally from Portland, Oregon, grew up here. Um, I'm back here now. And when that activity ended, the nonprofit that I was working for unfortunately lost their state funding. And so it had to close its doors. I moved back home with my parents and was talking to um, a lot of different organizations and entities here in Portland. And they had some opportunities there at the Oregon Wine Board. Um, And so I went to work there in 2004 and was there through 2012, 2012. So that was a pretty long stint. And that's where I really um, cut my teeth in, you know, I'd been doing kind of these nonprofit um, or partial quasi-governmental organizations 
that did collaborative marketing for Pacific Northwest um, based companies in lots of different industries. And um, so that's where I really got to, to specialize in one industry in particular and um, loved food and beverage. Um, I did the international marketing program. They benefit from some, some federal dollars um, on, that are meant to promote Pacific Northwest um, products, food and beverage products overseas. And so I ran that program with my experience I had from living overseas. Um, and then they also, uh, then I, I morphed into a role where I organized our industry convention, which is actually a similar size to, um, to ACS conference. And so uh, organizing those educational programs, running a trade show, um, doing all the things that fall under an industry facing conference uh, here at the Oregon Convention Center for about 1500 people. So that was the, the last role. Oh, actually, no, there was one more in between. And then uh, from there, I went for a year to a boutique PR agency uh, specializing in food and beverage and uh, was able to run the, the wine program there. So did a couple of different initiatives there. And then um, I already had a three-year-old and got pregnant with twins. Um, and then when they were <laughs> about ready to come into the world, I took a, a full year off of working um, just to focus on that and, and be a mom for a year. And so when I was ready to come back again, I knew I wanted to be in the food and beverage world, loved marketing. I saw this opportunity pop up to work, to be the first ever staff person for, um, for the Oregon Cheese Guild. And it was like the light bulb went off, the you know resonating sounds went off in my heart. And I just, I knew this was the job for me and um, put together a, a interesting presentation for the hiring committee. And I think the rest is history. So that was in 2015 that I started with the guild. And here you are 2022 still still uh, at the helm at the guild it's been a wild roller coaster ride for sure I mean who, who could have predicted but um, what what they had me do was put together a, a strategic plan for some of the things that I wanted to do at the guild and it's been great because I do feel like many of those things we have accomplished and we've been able to develop I've been able to develop some new skill sets through the pandemic, things I never thought I would be doing. And I always feel like there's still more to do. So, you know, even though it's been seven years, um, I feel like we've accomplished a lot, but there's still a lot left to do, which is really exciting. So let's get into the nitty gritty of the Oregon Cheese Guild. Um, what is the Cheese Guild's role in Oregon Cheese and what do you, what do, you do in that role? So I think with any of these um, collaborative marketing organizations, the goal is to promote uh, a category. I had a, a former boss who used to say, increase the desirability of, uh, of the category that you're working for. So um, it's primarily a marketing organization. And I would say um, that uh, most of our activities are aimed at just uh, elevating the entire perception, acceptance of, um, and desirability of Oregon cheese, but we also do have an educational component as well. And so um, we run an, an industry event called Cheesemaker Education Day. That's an, an industry inward facing educational event, but most of what we do is um, consumer facing or, or um, kind of B2B marketing for our varying between 20 and 22 cheesemakers. We've been at about that number since I've been here. And then you host a couple of events every year also? We do. And I would say that's our primary activity is the two consumer facing events that we do. So one is called the Oregon Cheese Festival. It was founded by David Gremmels at Rogue Creamery in Southern Oregon. And um, several years back before I came along, he gifted that event to the Guild. Um, and it is uh, by 
by far our number one revenue generator um, and attracts the most people at, at the peak right before the pandemic. Um, I believe the last one we did had about 4,500 people and it's a pretty sizable event over two days. Um, and then the other consumer facing one we do is called The Wedge. It takes place in Portland in the fall and it's just a one day um, at its peak, we got about 2,500 uh, people and both are billed as a celebration of cheese and everything that goes with it. So we have, um, you know, our, our, our core at our core, we're trying to promote Oregon cheesemakers, but we do invite any cheesemakers who want to participate from out of state are welcome to do so as well. And then all of the things that go with it. So, um, you know, beverage, food, um, beer, wine, cider, spirits, uh, kombucha, NA, all the, all the beverage categories. Um, and then, you know, charcuterie, chocolate jams, jellies, hot sauce, crackers, all the things, all the side hustle, great with cheese things. Yes, absolutely. Um, so some places don't necessarily have a guild or they are building a guild. What would you say is the, um, like the best thing about like, you know, the Oregon cheese guild, I feel like at its point now is in a really good spot in terms of like a more well-known guild Vermont. Obviously I think that their guild is kind of like the primo in my mind anyway, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but what would you suggest to people who are thinking about starting a guild or I guess California's guild is also really, really prominent. Um, but Anthea, so she, she was there first. Anthea Stoltz was their first ever staff person. And she was hired within weeks of when I was hired. So we got to kind of come up in that role of staffing a guild um, together for the first time. Whereas I think Vermont has had 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 a staff person running their guild for many years before even Anthea and I came on. So um, they got a huge head start and they're highly operational, highly functional, um, well-organized. Marty Monday now is doing an awesome job over there. And, um, and they just have a lot of makers. I mean, they're small, yeah. <laughs> but they have a lot of makers. That's one of the things that's been a challenge for Oregon is while, um, many of them are, are well-known and, um, you know, in the case of Tillamook, obviously, large and have a lot of resources at their disposal at their disposal um we they the just the sheer numbers i would lost my train of thought for a second but they're the kinds of opportunities that a guild can provide when you have more cohesion amongst your members if you're of a similar size you know a lot of them are like goat producers or goat, goats milk producers um you can you can stream your streamline your activities a little more where it might be kind of harder like in the case of Oregon um, our numbers are so small and then of those we only have four members who are um, producing above I can't remember the exact statistic but we did a survey several years back and um, I want to say it was between like a hundred thousand and three hundred fifty thousand um, pounds of cheese per year. Does that sound right? I'd have to look at the stats, but it was just like, we had four who were above a threshold and then there was a huge gap and everybody else, our other 18 were below it. So the kinds of activities that you might do as a guild would be very different if all of your members looked like the top four, or if all of the smallest ones were in a position to be able to do a lot of extra activities. So that's been one of the challenges over the years is figuring out activities that we can do that are doable, that are um, able to be taken advantage of by the greatest number of our, of our members. Did I totally go off away from your question? No, no, no. <laughs> I, completely I, didn't even, away. I didn't even really form a real question, but that was definitely kind of what I was getting at of like what does a guild provide for the cheesemakers? And I think that that is a, a key piece that like, even in Washington, we deal with that a lot too, because we have beachers obviously, but we also have all of these really tiny cheesemakers that like, how, how do we accommodate all of the, all of the in-betweens too? So. 
And I did a survey um, several years, a couple years back, talking about our different programs and asked people to rank those in terms of, of value to them. And it was pretty funny because I think I had like 15 different things that were listed and I did a bar graph and presented it at our cheesemaker education day. And it was like, they were all <laughs> like within here, you know, and you kind of hope when, when you do something like that, that some of them rise to the top and other ones like, okay, maybe we don't need to put effort into those, but it turned out that like seven or eight people were interested and in finding benefit from all the things. So, um, you know, you just keep trying to do things that make sense, you know, so our consumer facing events that can make sense for everybody from a teeny tiny, you know, micro creamery to someone like Tillamook who comes, they bring their bus, they give out tons of samples. They don't try to sell anything. They're not taking away from anybody else. They're just there to, you know, help lift up the rest of the group. And um, we're just, you know, we're, we're so lucky to have supporters like that and, they play so nicely together. And one of the things I'm super blessed with on, um, you know, kind of this collaborative marketing side is there really isn't a lot of competition. There's such diversity amongst our makers that, you know, what's good for everybody. Uh, you know, I always say the rising tide lifts all, lifts all boats. And that's especially true here in Oregon. And a lot of the people who've gone on to start, um, some of the smaller creameries started at the bigger ones and they move and help each other out. And I mean, there's just really such a spirit of collaboration. That's, that's beautiful and makes it very rewarding to, to do what I do. Yeah. Oregon's cheesemakers are some of the best. I mean, I, as an Oregonian, I can say that even though I live in Washington now, but I also think the Washington cheesemakers are Pacific Northwest. I'll just throw it out there. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And, and we do, there's a lot of collaboration, I would say, between the two states. While we, there are several reasons that it maybe doesn't quite make sense to to merge guilds. There's so much cooperation, and now um, Courtney Johnson's just doing such an awesome job up there, and have really enjoyed working with her and her kind of bringing the um, the activity level of that guild and and um, the visibility of Washington's cheesemakers up. It, it just there are so many ways it makes sense for us to to work together. And I know that, you know, kind of just operationally, I guess I could speak maybe more to, from a guild standpoint, it was really um, fortuitous to be able to come into this role with two existing events that had some traction. Um, and obviously the one that takes place at, at Rogue Creamery, um, for many years after I came on board, we continued to have it there on their property, which is just a massive um, you know, freebie and a benefit and, a, you know, I shouldn't call it a freebie because it wasn't free to them, but, um, you know, a, a big donation of time and, and, um, space and sacrifice on their part that allowed the guild to, you know, get a foothold and thrive. And I know, um, up in Washington that it was a, an independent event that was acting as kind of their, their industry, um, chance to, to do consumer outreach and sales. So that's kind of one big difference. I, I lucked out with that um, and relish the opportunity to, to create more partnerships. We're actually just talking about it with um, an event called the Meat and Cheese Festival about ways that we can do collaborative seminars during that, that festival. And um, I'll travel up there to do an Oregon piece during one of these seminars up there. And Courtney's gonna come down here and, and do it when they when they come to Portland in the fall. So, well, I also think that too, that um, now that ACS has like a guild, like you guys meet pretty regularly to chat about stuff. So I didn't know if anything was popping up in there. That's like interesting to hear from other guilds, like how they're doing things. That is an interesting point that you bring up. And that was really um, something that was born out of the early days of the pandemic when a lot of the really small cheesemakers, especially who had been selling a lot to restaurants, um, other places where they, um, you know, package cheese in bulk. And all of a sudden the only show in town is retail and had to figure out, you know, how to, how to pivot in, in many different ways. Um, a group 
uh, at ACS thought it would be beneficial for these regional people to start coming together as kind of uh, sharing what are the issues that everybody's facing in different parts of the country, because they're probably probably pretty similar. But people were independently coming up with really interesting solutions to a lot of these problems. And just being able to, to share resources and ideas in that way, without ever feeling like it was, we were being competitive or giving away our secrets, it, if anything, um, you know, like other than my four biggest cheese makers, the rest of them, there are very few that sell out of state. And if they do, it's maybe to Seattle or maybe to a specialty shop in Chicago or New York, but they're not like a grocery store brand that you're going to find countrywide. And, and the same is true, I think, of our very smallest producers in California, in Vermont, in, you know, even places like Texas or Pennsylvania. Um, and to just be able to come together and say, hey, you know, we went to our state legislature and did this or um, like the Victory Cheese program was so interesting, too. Or, um, you know, in, in Washington, they went to a bunch of their retail partners and their distributor partners and said, hey, can everybody knock down their margin by a couple percent? so that we can still keep paying these cheesemakers full value and you can move some of this product a little faster through these retail channels. And just being able to share those kinds of ideas on a nationwide level was amazing. And a lot of things came out of that. And um, it's funny, I was just on the uh, board, the ACS board planning call for some of these committee um, presentations that are gonna be happening during conference. And one of the the, this what's called the Guild Network Outreach Committee. I can't remember what the exact name is, something like that. Guild, yeah, Guild Network Outreach, I think, um, is a subcommittee of marketing. But we were talking about the presentation and how that really morphed from like, uh, what can we do to help small cheesemakers right now? Um, kind of just like a, a venting, kind of like therapy, like group therapy for the guilds around the country into... Um, a group that has structure. We have, we sent out surveys and asked people, what are the, the topics that you are most interested in as a guild? We prioritize them. We set up a regular schedule of these Zoom meetings. We started bringing in outside experts on some of these areas. And we've had really well-organized, robust discussions and sharing around things like, um, you know, member member levels, pricing levels and benefits and what you get for that. Um, what do consumer events look like post-pandemic? Um, how to write a job de description for and hire an executive director? Um, how to set up an, you know, an education day. This last one was kind of a forum on what do you do for member education? And it was really different. Like Vermont's um, gotten a lot of traction with their virtual conference which is great. Um, I love having our in-person conference and, um, you know, had some things about that. Courtney has been doing more of like these one-off um, types of webinars and things in partnership with other groups. And just that kind of sharing that we're able to do together has been really wonderful. And I hope that we are, you know, in that rising tide spirit, like elevating the way that the guilds and these groups can operate for all American cheesemakers. I love it. It's been one of my favorite things about what's been happening lately, because the fact of the matter is, is that one of the best parts about traveling is getting to try new cheeses in every place that you go that you can't get anywhere else. And I'm so excited for people to come to ACS and get to enjoy all of the cheeses that I have been loving my entire, not my entire life, because most of these cheesemakers have not been making cheese since 1977, but... <laughs> Uh, but for many years, these are the cheeses that I love and adore and have been selling for years and years and years. So I'm so excited to share them with people. And, you know, that's the fun of having guilds that can support these cheesemakers and getting their names out there a little bit more. 100%. And getting to taste, I mean, you know, one of the greatest things about conference too, is getting to taste a lot of those maybe not teeny tiny, but like the mid-sized ones that are sold mostly regionally in other parts of the country to finally get them. And the actual cheesemakers, I mean, they call it Meet the Cheesemaker for a reason. It's really 
an amazing experience to have all of those people and those stories in one room together. And we're just so looking forward to having that be taking place here for the first time since 2006. I know it's pretty wild. I was working at the downtown Whole Foods when ACS was in Portland the last time. And I didn't go to ACS then, um, but I didn't really have to because everybody kind of came into that store anyway, Mm -hmm. because it was like one of the, it was the only Whole Foods at the time. And we had a very, very impressive cheese case. So uh, I just remember one day looking up while I was cutting cheese and the entire cheese case was surrounded by people like, probably a good hundred people. And I felt like I was in a fishbowl of like, everybody's staring at me as I'm cutting cheese and they're just like having their tour, doing their thing. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Okay. And it was a bunch of professional. I mean, they're like rock stars, right. Within the industry. You're like, Oh, look, there's. Yeah. I had no idea at the time. Uh, I was still kind of new ish in cheese and the early two thousands were a very different time in cheese. Like just the access to information was very limited. And now we do have this boon of like, you can look pretty much anything up at any given point in time and find out information about it, which is amazing and wonderful. And in that time, really, from what I understand, I wasn't a member or part of the industry yet, but ACS really came into its own um, during that time as well. And with the hiring of Nora um, and those years of building up conference from I think something pretty small to a, what a it really is now. healthy, robust. Yeah. And I think that just uh, the American cheese renaissance, if you will, or the beginnings of what we are in now, that's kind of, you know, when it started, I remember getting cheeses from like Jasper Hill and getting con- like the stuff that they don't even, they don't even make anymore. But like, I just remember having all of these cheeses back then and being like, wow, this stuff is so weird, <laughs> like wonderful. Um, and now they're like, you know, Jasper is a huge company the in our stars. world, you know, yeah. and it's, they're not a huge company, but in the eyes of our world, they are definitely, you know, some of the more prominent names. So we've watched that grow. It's pretty amazing. Um, it's a phenomenal community to get to know and, and now be a part of. And I still, you know, it's funny. I've been here, what, seven, seven years. I still feel new to the industry and I don't know when that's going to wear off, but, um, you know, I I learn things every day and I'm not a, I'm not a cheese person by trade. I'm a marketing person. Um, so there's so much still to learn and, I'm so thankful for people like you who've been in the industry for so long because your stories are incredible and the way that um, people who are true true cheese professionals can talk about cheese in general, but the brands they love and the reasons why and the history with it and their personal connection to it, I think is just a really impressive. Well, I'm 20 years in and I still feel like I'm new, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the joy. That's one of the things that's kept me in this industry for so long is that I never feel like I know what I'm doing and that just keeps me on my toes at all times. So, and it all, I mean, there's new stuff happening all the time, new products being created, new companies starting up and it's all delicious. So that makes it even better. (laughs) Does make it even better. So we have ACS coming up soon. Um, what is the guild working on in terms of ACS? Well, so in addition to being on the conference planning committee where I'm really just trying to help wherever I can, um, you know, in terms of helping find locations for different events and things happening in the cheese crawl and getting people plugged in and connected to different aspects. Um, I, personally am um i submitted and got accepted a seminar called what grows together goes together and um used some of my connections in the wine world to get uh there's uh, a why the ceo and founder of willamette valley vineyards his name is jim bruno is coming um along with a a geology professor from Portland State University who, who focuses in terroir and has done a lot of work on terroir as it relates to wine um, and many other industries. So he's going to come and talk a, uh, about some of the geological history of Oregon. There's a phenomenon called the Missoula, uh, Missoula floods 
It was a great ice dam up in Montana that broke loose 10,000 years ago and giant walls of water came rushing out through um, uh, through Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington and out into the Willamette Valley and kind of created the topography of, of what it is today and has informed a lot of the things that grow together, whether that's on the hillsides that, you know, come up out of the valley floor where a lot of the wine grapes are grown or the valley floor where there's the, you know, beautiful grass for cows grazing and all the things or, um, uh, you know, like some of the other uh, accompaniments like we talked about for the wedge, jams, jellies, charcuterie, um, honey, some of the fruits that are grown. And so there's a trio of wine, cheese accompaniment from four different regions. So that's a tasting session. And it's a little bit of geology history and then a little bit of tasting. And I'm super excited about that seminar. It's gonna be awesome. That sounds You're really cool. Online early for that one. Um, and then what else? Uh, the, the Oregon Trail one, I haven't been as instrumental in that. I sort of helped um, the, the woman who is um, the lead on that seminar at the Oregon Dairy and Nutrition Council kind of conceptualize and think about what that might look like. And then she submitted the proposal and it was so exciting um, about the Oregon Trail and how that combination of um, the native people who were here at the time melded with what the, um, the, you know, wagon train folks brought over on the Oregon trail and how that has led to what the, the food scene is today. So that's an informational and tasting session that they were so excited about that they made the welcome breakfast. So everybody gets to participate in that one. Um, that's super exciting. I've been, um, working on setting the pre-conference tours and I think they're filling up fast. So if anybody is actually listening to this and that's something that you would want to do, I would encourage you to sign up now. Um, one is heading down to the Salem area and going to a small, um, a small farm and cheesemaker down that direction called TMK. Um, and they've got some a beautiful facility where they've got cows, they're making cheese, curds, and they're also making vodka out of their way, which is a pretty exciting program. From there, they go to the new Ochoa's facility down in Salem, which is beautiful. There are windows onto the cheesemake facility where you can watch them stretching the curd for their amazing Oaxaca. Um, they've got delicious quesadillas and fried curds and ice cream and all the things there. So that's gonna be a fun stop. And then they go on to Willamette Valley Vineyards um, for a vineyard tour and wine tasting. So that's Salem. Um, we're also doing one in, in uh, more of the kind of Southwest, traditionally what you think of as wine country here around Portland, um, little town called Dundee and um, visiting Briar Rose Creamery is right in the heart of of um, Oregon's Willamette Valley's, you know, heart of our wine country. Um, and then actually visiting a brewery that's out there called Wolves and People where you have lunch and then um, visiting another winery in the afternoon. And uh, that's TBD. That's one of the things I'm still working on. We had one and then it didn't work out for a couple of reasons, um, but that's going to be a beautiful day out in wine country. And then the third tour is right here in Portland, which is really exciting because we've got Olympia Provisions, which though they don't make cheese, they are <laughs> such a, a close partner in everything that we do. Um, Eli and team are always at ACS. I'm sure you, many of you out there have met them before and they have an incredible facility, right? Um, not far from the conference center. We're starting the day there and then heading up to one of the, um, Murray's flagship, um, stops at within, we call it Fred Meyer here. Um, it's kind of our local, uh, version, local Kroger, um, partner. And so spending some time there and learning about their cave aging program. So that should be really interesting and doing the lunch there and then going to visit a couple different independent um, shops here locally, one called Zupans and the other called um, Elephants Delicatessen. And they both have lovely cut and wrap programs and are big supporters of local cheese. And they can talk about their programs there and then how they integrate and work with us at the Guild to help promote some local cheeses. Pre-conference tours, seminars, oh, the best I haven't talked about. So um, I was very inspired several years back. My very first conference was the one, the, the first one that was in Des Moines in 20, 
was that 16? I think it was maybe 16. And the first night we got there, they bust us all out to Maytag. One of my favorite nights ever at conference. That night was so fun. Uh, Well, well, tell me what you remember from it. Um, That, uh, well, Maytag wasn't currently making cheese at the time, but all of their people cooked food for us and we just got to sit out on the farm and the sun was setting and it was just beautiful. And then there was like a dunk tank and we had dunked the cheese maker, which was so funny and so much fun. Um, and I don't know, it was just like the cornfields and the sunset and the dunk yes. the cheese maker and the food was really and good. The, blue, the bluegrass band, they had like a bluegrass band playing picnic blankets all over the place. These rolling golden Hills at sunset. It was very uh, idyllic and, and I loved it. Corn themed menu, corn themed cocktails. It was just like, oh, this is Iowa. This is just magical. <laughs> <laughs> and I have, I have to admit, I, you know, medium to low expectations about what Des Moines was going to be like. And it was just like, ah, and I felt like the rest of conference just kind of led from there. And so I said, if it ever comes to Portland, we have to create the quintessential Portland slash Oregon event for all these folks who might be in town for four or five days. They're going to have to fly in right at the beginning, fly out at the end. They're not going to get a chance to experience all of the amazing things about our city. So we're going to do our best to bring as many of them uh, to one place and one time at a conference. It's an offsite. We're calling it the best of Oregon. It is happening on Friday night, immediately following Meet the Cheesemaker. And um, since people will be coming for Meet the Cheesemaker, where they get to try everybody's cheese in kind of its original form, all of the bites that we're going to have at the event are um, are something that incorporates cheese into something else. And um, wherever possible, that something else is also something else that comes from Oregon. So whether that's, you know, fresh berries or salmon or mint or um, Carlton Farms, um, pork or, um, all the, all of the, all the partners that you can imagine we are working on bringing together, um, for these, uh, for these brand inspired bites that take the cheese to the next step. And we're calling it the best of Oregon. Um, and in addition, we're going to bring in some iconic, um, Portland entertainment and fun things to be kind of punctuating the event with as well. Plus dance floor, DJ. Um, we've, we're working with all of our um, beverage groups. So the Northwest Cider Association, the Oregon Wine Board, the Oregon Brewers Guild are all bringing in a huge array of samples of all different um, types of their their products so that people can just taste a whole bunch of different things, get exposure to a lot of stuff. Um, we've got a water kefir probiotic sparkling beverage from Oregon that's going to be there. We'll have not, non-alcoholic options as well. Um, yeah, entertainment, dancing, photo booths, but the bites are going to be awesome. I can give you a little sneak peek. One of them, I know um, that Rogue Creamery is bringing up a chef from Southern Oregon who does a blue cheese curry donut. Um, face oh, wow. rock is doing a fried cheese curd poutine, um, with that they're doing in partnership with new seasons, which is our local chain specialty grocer. Um, there's going to be some pairings. There will be some sweet things. Um, there's a really cool, like flatbread pizza that we're doing with a Portland Creamery smoked chev using Mama Lil's peppers, which is one of mm. kind of our micro brands and arugula and um, pancetta. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful Amazing. time of year for produce, stuff with berries, peaches, all the things. It's a great time of year in terms of just the foods of the Pacific Northwest are just popping at that time. So that's so exciting. Maybe, um, a mobile tattoo parlor doing some, um, you know, there'll be small, but like you can might, you might be able to go get a little permanent remembrance of your time in Oregon. That is very Portland. Yes. (laughs) I, I mean, I've been in conversations with people about getting tattoos in Portland. So there's that. (laughs) I thought that might be a thing for the cheese community. I have to admit, I actually don't have one. And I, 
I, I, part of me is, this might be the time. <laughs> this might be the moment. I'm almost 50. I think I'm ready to get a tattoo. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Anytime's a good time, I think, but you know, I have a few. <laughs> um, and then also I'm sure that uh, Oregon cheesemakers will be well represented at Meet the Cheesemaker too. I've been really encouraging them to, to sign up for that. Um, you know, like I said, we don't have a lot who are very big, but I know that there are at least be seven or eight there. So get some, we'll get some representation there too. Yeah. And I know Courtney is, um, representing a few different brands from Washington down there too. So there'll be lots of Pacific Northwest stuff that you can't get anywhere else that meet the cheesemaker, which is super exciting. Um, so with all of that, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you do for the guild or that the guild does that you really feel like people should know about? Um, I don't know. There are a whole bunch of smaller things. I mean, you know, obviously the two big consumer facing events are huge, but there's a lot of work that we've done to partner with our retail partners and distributors here to get those two audiences on board. When I first started, it was really, and it still is. I mean, it's primarily a cheese maker focused organization, unlike ACS, which has a huge, um, you know, retailer and distributor and industry other industry people component to it. But I really wanted to bring those communities in. And one of the cool things that we've done is um, start an Oregon Cheese Month, which happens in September. So we encourage all of our makers to work with those retail partners and distributors to do all kinds of promotions on Oregon Cheese. And pre-pandemic, we had a really robust demo program where we were able to get some funding um, through a few different sources, for a few years, it was through a federal grant. Um, sometimes it's been more through those partners or other fundraising um, efforts where we do a huge demo program. So each product demonstrate, each product demonstration would be like three different Oregon cheeses from different brands. And in theory, those cheeses are on sale or on special or being promoted or have end caps or have special displays all throughout that month. Um, and then to help that effort along, a couple of years back, we created um, an Oregon cheese sticker and paper program. So we get chromatic and paper printed with the Oregon Cheese Guild logo. We have stickers for if they want to use their own wrapping so that at least you see the little Oregon cheese or you can stick it on a prepackaged, um, you know, cryo wrap piece so that um, and then we create posters, send them out to all our retail partners. So you walk in the store, it says it's Oregon cheese month. Look for the, you know, Oregon cheese guild symbol in your case to help support local products. And then they look down at the case and it's all, you know, stickered up or using the paper. So that's been a really exciting program that um, several of our partners have found so effective in moving the needle on local cheese that they have asked to be supplied with those, you know, with the cheese paper and the stickers year round. And so we support those programs as well. Um, you know, obviously kind of the typical guild stuff like maintaining the website, um, keeping it updated. We have uh, printed a, uh, a map for the cheesemakers that are open to the public or have spaces that are open to the public. And because there are so few, you know, we only have 22 members and of those, there are maybe like six that don't have any type of visitation or shop opportunity. So we will, we expanded it. I wanted there to be, um, you know, if you get two or three food destinations in a place like Bandon where Face Rock Creamery is, then all of a sudden it's a lot more um, enticing for someone to make a trip out there if they're a food interested person. And so the idea was to kind of um, find little mini clusters around our cheesemakers of other delicious food items. And so we created an Oregon cheese and food trail map. Uh, what else? That must've have been really terrible research for you to do. <laughs> I haven't been, I haven't been everywhere yet, but I've almost been everywhere now. Yeah. It's a fun excuse to <laughs> make a road trip for sure. Yeah. And eat some delicious food. That community, I mean, it's just been amazing since I started, you know, we got the kind of the typical Olympia provisions, Kelly's jelly, Jacobs and salt. We've got a, a few iconic brands here, 
um, locally that made sense to include, you know, they're the same ones who come to the wedge and they end up on the map and all the things. But that list now is, you know, like a thousand food companies long and we're constantly updating it because obviously COVID was difficult for a lot of small food producers, but it's just amazing, amazing how much excitement and productivity there is around the food and beverage scene here in Oregon. There's so much happening. Same true in, in Washington. It's delicious. We've got good stuff. We've got good stuff. And I'm excited that other people get to finally come and experience it. So, um, okay. Last three questions. These are kind of like quick round questions. Oh boy. Um, first one, what is your current cheese crush? Um, my current cheese crush is the bite that will be served at, um, at our event, the one that I was just talking about earlier. So, um, at last year's, you know, last year we had to, well, the last two years, we had to take our events virtual. And so over the course of the two years, we produced four virtual tasting events where we assembled a kit of, um, Oh, like 13 to 15 cheeses and four accompaniments. And um, we did one that was exclusively Southern for Southern Oregon pickup that was to replace the festival. It wasn't exclusively Southern Oregon items. It was ex- all Oregon, but we had a local, um, a local TV celebrity down there who is very food interested. She and David Gremmels went and created this flatbread um this flatbread idea where they spread at that time, it was a by George spreadable um, fromage blanc and arugula. And I think they had prosciutto and maybe uh, some spicy jelly and sea salt. And, and I just thought, Ooh, I know exactly what I want to do. So there's a proprietary flavor of Portland Creamery chef um, that was created as a contest um, between the different new seasons stores. I think there are 17 or 18 of them now. Um, and the store where I shop, the slab town, new seasons, shout out to Sonia. She created this flavor that's smoky chev. They call it, I think it's called like the smoky mama Portland creamery. So I do it on a grand central, which is our local bakery, um, wheat flatbread, um, and then prosciutto and then arugula and then did I miss the, oh, and then Kelly's, um, uh, which one do I do? Uh, <laughs> no, this is the new one with their hot honey. Okay. So Kelly's jelly has just come out. It's known for its spicy jellies, but they have just come out with uh, habanero um, honey that is absolutely delicious. That is so floral and beautiful. You can taste it. So that's drizzled on top of the arugula. And then a dusting of sea salt. And this bite is awesome. And I couldn't stop talking about it. And I was talking, telling the new seasons people about it all the time. And finally they were just like, okay, why don't we just make this at the best of Oregon event? And that'll be the bite. So that is my current crush. I cannot stop talking about it. I'm super stoked. And we have it once, at least once every other week in our house. Well, I'm I'm excited to try this <laughs> in a month. <laughs> You can try it now. Well, maybe you won't get, you can't get the honey. You could get a hot honey up there. You could do an approximation. Yes. Well, you know, it'll be best when it's all of those components together. So, I mean, this, the next question kind of goes along with that um, last one, but just like favorite cheese pairing, but that could be just across the board. What, what is your favorite cheese pairing? What do you like to usually eat with your cheese or have with your cheese? Um, well, fresh berries are coming in, are happening right now. I love just like a fromage blanc with strawberries and raspberries and blueberries. You know, like if it's a honey, like a honey apricot, like Face Rock does an apricot honey fromage blanc with some fresh berries, maybe a little drizzle of the habanero honey, something like that. That does it for me. Or like, um, peaches right now, we're just starting to get peaches like that with a fromage blanc or a fresh chef. Berry season in the Pacific Northwest is just, there's nothing else quite like it. Nothing so. like it. 
That was my first job when I was like six years old, going out to the strawberry fields, <laughs> picking strawberries for a dollar a flat. I didn't wow. make much money. I did not make no. much money, <laughs> like a dollar a day. Cause I was too busy eating them all. <laughs> I was going to say, but there are good French benefits to that. Yes, stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Last one. Um, your top food memory, just something that just really sticks with you as like an experience or something in particular that you had? Well, I mentioned that I'm a, a Francophile and had spent some time in France. While I was over there, my, my mom um, came over to visit and we want, she wanted to go to a very fancy restaurant. So we went to um, a restaurant outside of Paris called um, Boyer Le Creer. It's a kind of like a you know, a B&B, but they've got the Michelin three-star restaurant on site. It's the only Michelin three-star I've ever been to to this day. And they did a foie gras prepared three ways on one dish. And it like opened my eyes to, I don't know, fine dining specialty and just was incredible. So there's like a seared, a mousse. Now I can't even remember what the third one was maybe just in its kind of pure sliced, like sliced form and with different accompaniments. And, you know, I love foie gras. It melts like butter. It's like meat butter. <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good with salty. It's good with something sweet. It's, I mean, I could get one of those little jars and like <laughs> almost just <laughs> eat it with a spoon out of there. <laughs> Well, and then I'm sure like, you know, having your mom there too. And like that first experience of like super fine dining. I don't, I've never been to a Michelin starred restaurant, so I don't, I haven't, haven't done that yet, but eventually one of these days. Yeah. That sounds pretty amazing. That was a long time ago and not since. So, you know, maybe it'll be a once in a lifetime, who knows, but it has stuck with me. All right. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining me. And I'm really excited to uh, celebrate cheese in Oregon next month at ACS. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is a very fun way to spend an hour. Thank you, Katie, for finding new ways to champion our delicious products and the makers behind them. I can't wait to share our bounty with those in attendance at the ACS conference. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Shane Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. Follow along on my cheesy adventures at Instagram, Facebook, or get more content at Patreon. My website is also a great hub for all of my goings on. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep spreading the word of good curd. Thank you.